Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Tuesday, first of yesterday's news. I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Monday. And uh, we, we go ornithological. Is that birds? Orn- orn- ornithology? If it's not birds, I don't know what it is. So I'm hoping it's birds. Um, uh, we specifically uh, chickens and penguins at the end of the podcast. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, Chris Hipkins is not a chicken or a penguin. He's a prime minister. And, of course, uh, our various hosts couldn't wait to have their say on whether he'll be a good one. There may be ongoing confusion if the amendments to any fixed and firm Labour Party policies are made by Prime Minister Hipkins that may well replicate those of the not-so-right National Party. How do you feel about the Labour Party and the next general election just months away? Is this now like a once-sound building that existed quite peacefully until successive storms began to strip away the paint and the putty? That Now that building is in need of substantial repairs, the big question really is, could it be too late to save that tired old building, or is there time to re- reverse the damage and return it to its former glory in time for the big day? I'm fascinated to see what Prime Minister Hipkins brings to the political show in order to win back any of that support lost when Three Waters and the public broadcasting merger and other poorly thought-out concepts became award-winning policy. Clearly the shiny paint job of those ideas did not last long at all. Are any of their ideas reversible now? Or is crash-boxing the Labour Party engine into reverse on those policies simply going to push them off the political cliff and into oblivion in 2023. Wow, oblivion. Oblivion waits, apparently. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Imagine if they disappear completely. Doesn't seem that likely. But, uh, you know, I don't know as much about these things as people like uh, Roman and Kerry... Let's hear from Kerry, eh? He's been spokesman, he's been minister since 2013. Truancy's never been worse. Standards have steadily declined. The politic amalgamation looks to be a disaster and it could go on. The COVID response, he presided over a couple of PR disasters with the gangsters' moles who actually weren't. And the release of personal information around Charlotte Ballas, the journalist. So, you know, he looks great. Nothing to see here, but in fact, his portfolios are hardly blue ribbon portfolios. There's also the fact that he was the only logical choice. And what does that say about a caucus that's never had more members? That when you looked at it, it's like looking at a hand and you've got a two of clubs, a five of diamonds, a ten and one jack. And you think, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> it's... Mm, stink. And then you shuffle the pack and out of the 52 cards you come up with more rubbish. With only one really good card in the hand you hold. So there was him and Grant Robertson had ruled himself out. Kitty Allen was a popular choice but probably not enough experience and a bit too a bit too not following the party line. I think she's she'll speak her mind whether it follows the party line or not. So what does that say about a party that you only have one logical choice? And I did think it was a bit rich when Chris Hipkins said, oh, yes, we're going to elect a leader. We're not going to see the sort of shenanigans that National went through to find a leader. Short memory, my friend. Remember leading the Anything But Cunliffe campaign? Hmm. Remember that? 
it was only five short years ago that you were saved as a party by Jacinda Ardern. And now she's probably saved you again by stepping down. I think, do, do they just they just eliminate all the Davids and all the Phils and then go with what's left? That's how I would have done it. And probably ended up with the same one. Um, how would Heather have done it? See, uh, by dribs and drabs, everybody's coming back on ZB. And he is already listening to how frustrated we are as voters, right? He is already very, very obviously resetting the party. So he admitted this morning that the public feel that Labour is, quote, doing too much, doing it too fast. I mean, how right is he in saying that? That is exactly what we think. So he says he's going to reprioritise a few things, which means he's going to nuke unpopular policies. Speed limit reductions, they're probably already dead. The merger is probably already dead as well. Just see how much more. On a personal level, I reckon that Chris Hipkins is more likeable than Jacinda Ardern. He can apologise when he gets things wrong, which was something that seemed very hard for Jacinda to do. He laughs easily. He talks like a regular bloke. He admits when he doesn't know something like the treaty articles yesterday. That's very different from Jacinda who was very earnest and head girly in her approach. And while that was okay at the start, it started to really grate on us towards the end. Now, having said all of that stuff, I think it's still a big ask for Chris Hipkins at the election. I think he's still got most things going against him. The economy, inflation, house prices, a huge amount of resentment that voters have towards Labour that Jacinda allowed to build up. But if he can ditch the nonsense policies, if he can do enough to convince Kiwis that at least he's trying to deal with inflation and the economy, and if he can seem like a pretty likeable bloke, I wouldn't write him off just yet. He might just have enough in him to win back just enough voters. Do you know what I like about him is that he's always only ever been Chris, whereas Christopher Luxon seems to have changed his name to Chris. And I... And, and that I just can't get past that. I can't get past the way that he used to be Christopher and now he doesn't seem to care if you call him Christopher or Chris. Yeah, I don't have solid reasons for voting one way or another, as you probably tell. I've got... What's the opposite of solid? Blamange-like reasons. I hate Blamange. Uh, right, uh, let's move on to the uh, real uh, important stuff of the day, though. Uh, farming chickens—they're really good. They, you, they, you're they, talking they, about the ones. Just, you're talking about the ones with the uh, feathery feet. You know those pretty get, ones, yeah. those pretty chooks with the feathery feet that look just fine, and they—they—they they, they, they look like they're Morris dancers on steroids. Oh uh, yeah, not those ones. I've, 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 got, I've got like uh, I don't know their breeds. I'll be honest with you. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm a half amateur. This is my first. This is my first five ones. I I took them off a mate who had them behind his garage and got no sunshine. And I said, "Well, I've got property, so I'll bring them." Can I ask you some questions about your chooks? Uh, Do you have problems with sparrows and rats? Uh, I'm in Australia, so I have no problems with sparrows because the sparrows are down in South Australia, Tasmania. Uh. But I do have problems with uh, with uh, rats and mice, and I've got two cats, <laughs> so they take care of them. Yeah, so well, that's you good. Got, if you've got chickens, you've got to have cats. Yeah, I see, to, to keep away the rats and the mice, and that's right, but that's because the food for the chickens is out, and the rats and the sparrows in New Zealand quite like it, so you've got to get in, in, into that. Morris Dancing Chickens. Wow. 
You've got to attach bells to them for that, don't you? Morris dancing chickens. And the tricky part is tying the handkerchiefs to their heads. Morris dancers that wear handkerchiefs on their heads? Or they just hold hands via handkerchief. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Do people still know what Morris dancing is? Or is that just something for people who are as old as me and Andrew? Go and watch some Monty Python and then you'll figure it out. Uh, we're going to finish up here uh, keeping it birdie. Uh, this time, uh, having a look at the penguins on uh, Marcus's drive home from Christchurch. Timaru, very good for cycling. Surprisingly good for cycling. Around the waterfront and up Saltwater Creek or river or whatever. And also the penguins. We were fortunate enough to go and see the penguins on the breakwater there. And boy, that was a good thing. Unlike Oamaru, it's just you just front up and there's a guy there in a reflector jacket, like a safety vest, and he's kind of the head biscuit. He calls the shots. He's not anyone's payroll. He's just passionate about the penguins. And you stand at a spot and you see the little baby penguin, which is this giant ball of grey fluff. It's not small at all. I guess it's probably just about to leave the nest. And then its parents arrive from the sea and they walk along the beach besides the breakwater. Then they stop for about 10 minutes. Something to do with the oil on their feathers. I wasn't particularly sure what it was. But they regroom themselves. And they climb up the little the little little rocks or the quite big rocks to a platform just beneath the road on the breakwater. And then they feed their young. It's about two metres away. Fantastic. Very, very riveting, very compelling. There are websites, Timaru Penguin or something like that. I was surprised how good it was. Won't cost you a cent. Un- unlike the Wamaru one, which is sort of, you know, a lot of um, the shaken howdies and a lot of hype. And I don't, know if, I don't know if it's anywhere near as good as a situation in Timaru. So go there, very good. Why is it that people who deal with birds have to wear high vis? I don't quite... Is that... So the birds... Because I would have thought if you're dealing with birds, you perhaps don't want them to see you. I don't really understand enough about how birds see things to know whether it's dogs that are colorblind, isn't it? I, it's just that I had an experience the other day um, at the end of Paranui Beach there is where the dotterels and oyster catchers nest and you're not allowed to walk your dog there. I presumably, in case your dog eats all the doctorals and oyster catchers, which I don't even know if they'd be able to do that because my dog, anyway, whenever he chases birds, they um, they do this thing. Oh, they fly away. That's right. Um, I think that's the technical term for it. And he can't catch them. But anyway, um, I, I was walking the dog there, not on the beach because it's not allowed, but Kate came over the rise and there were some people in high vis looking at the birds and I quickly stuck him on his leash in case he dashed down onto the beach and ran through a flock of doctorals because I think the people in high vis would I didn't want to see what their reaction would be let's put it that way but then I did wonder why they are wearing high vis strange end to the podcast and it's only Tuesday it's only the second one of the year Great work, Lindsay B. I'll see you back here again for more strange podcasting tomorrow.